amazing Bible stories that we grew up, and I think about how that song references a lot of those, and so it's very encouraging. Well, thank you all for being here today, and those of you who are joining us online as well, and we're going to continue our, our sermon series and uh, called One Day or Day One, You Decide, and um, you know, I've been very encouraged. I, I stole that from, I think I told you, a little message board my wife had um, at our house, but it really connected with me, and a lot of you have said it's connected to you. I was at our our uh, supper club the other night, and somebody had it on a message board in their house, and somebody this morning said, hey, I want to show you something, and they showed me their phone, and they had uh, put that in their office, and so it's something that makes people think, doesn't it? There's a lot of things in life we say, one day I'm going to, or one day I'm going to do this. I'm, you have a vision or a, a dream about something you're going to do uh, for the future, and sometimes we you know, move through life and, and things get in the way and we never get to that day one of doing that one day thing that we want to do. And so we've been going through this series and I hope you're enjoying it. And I enjoy going through anytime the gospel and this uh, as we're obviously going through Mark's gospel of Jesus Christ and giving an account of, of Jesus in his life. And Jesus from day one of his teaching has presented God's kingdom as inclusive of everyone. And that's a message we need to hear in our culture Jesus said, I want to include everyone into God's kingdom. It is inclusive of everyone, whether you're Jewish or not. In his culture, that was a, a problem for a lot of people, but not for Jesus. It's mysterious. It doesn't work in the same ways. It's not predictable. God can and, and does work in ways that we don't always understand or see. But yet it is already present among these people. They knew that. Jesus says, the kingdom of God is at hand. He is among you. And Jesus was constantly calling for a response from everyone about him and this kingdom. And as we've seen, most of the religious leaders from day one in that first century where Jesus is ministering, they rejected what Jesus was saying. They presented God's kingdom as exclusive, not inclusive. It was only for a few. It was very legalistic, and they certainly did not present it through Jesus. That's not how God works through you. And they aggressively responded that Jesus was not and could not be the Messiah. He was not what God would have sent. And they were wrong in all accounts. But Jesus had to work through all of this. But on the other hand, even though the re religious leaders rejected him on all these things and were constantly looking and and investigating what Jesus said and did, and were wandering around looking at him and his disciples and what they were doing. But most of the community crowds, those in the culture, they were drawn to Jesus' teaching, first of all because of his compassion and how he healed people, but also that when he taught, they said, he doesn't teach like our religious leaders. He teaches like someone who actually has true authority. And they connected with God's kingdom being inclusive because they wanted to be included. They connected with God's kingdom being mysterious. They knew that God didn't just act in a certain way, but he was mysterious. They connected with God's kingdom being present among them. And they also connected by Jesus' call to say, come and follow me. Now, we know we've read about the disciples and how some of them were fishermen and they dropped their nets and they left everything, their family business, and followed Jesus. You know, of course, Matthew left his tax collector booth and he followed Jesus. And so we've continued to walk through Mark's account of the gospel. And as I've said before, Mark is asking us the question. He's saying, is Jesus really the Messiah? Is he really the son of God? You need to answer that question for yourself. So he gives us this account of Jesus' life and said, just look. Look at what he's done. Look at what he says. This has to be 
the Messiah. He has to be the Savior of the world. So today I want us to walk through another text in Mark, and this one is a parable in the form of an agricultural or farming story that Jesus told to teach about the kingdom of God. And Jesus, as we read in all the Gospels, in the early part of his ministry, he talks about the parables of the kingdom of God. And it talks about these growing parables, these things about agriculture and plants and those kind of things. And then towards the middle of Jesus' um, ministry, he talked about the parables of grace, those ones that we really like, like the lost son. We love those stories. It's about grace. And Jesus, although he told these parables of judgment that were the ones we kind of go, ugh, I struggle with that one. It's about judgment. Jesus waited till the very end of his ministry because he knew that we needed to know this, but he didn't start with those. He ended with those. And that's interesting. But he's talking in this particular one about the kingdom of God. This is a kingdom parable that he's trying to get us to understand this inclusiveness and so uh, we're going to look at Mark chapter 4, and we're going to go through uh, verses 1 through 20, and it'll be up on the screen, or you can read in your Bibles and personal devices. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed... Some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some a hundred times. Then Jesus said, Whoever has ears, let them hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word, and some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among the thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. So this may or may not be a familiar parable to you. You may have heard it before. But right off the bat, Jesus, as you notice, he is in a boat. He has been teaching the people, and they're crowding him. And I think the boat may have even been sometimes, a lot of times for Jesus, was an escape mechanism to get away from the people. They have a boat ready because the people are crowding me, and we can go across the sea and get away from uh, the relief of some of the people wanting him to heal and all those things. But if you've ever been on a lake, you know that sound carries really well on a lake, doesn't it? And sometimes when you speak, you can hear it way down the line. And so Jesus knows this, so he 
he gets out in the boat and then he starts speaking so that the crowd can hear what he's saying. And right off the bat, he tells them to listen. And I think they were familiar with this command that they, that they called and memorized as kids called the Shema. And they often recited, and it basically said this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And so that says, Hear, O Israel. And Jesus starts this teaching with, Listen. That was Old Testament. That was Old Covenant. But listen, Israel. Listen, people. I'm bringing you some new news. And Jesus is telling them to listen clearly to what I'm saying. So he tells a parable. And a parable is a story it's about something of normal, basically day-to-day things, but it has a hidden meaning. It has a meaning that you have to kind of unlock the meaning to because you know it's not just a story about that. It has something else to do with something else, and usually it's spiritual with Jesus. And this is an agricultural story, and most people in this culture understood farming and agriculture. They got their food that way. They saw it being grown all the time. A lot of them were farmers. They were in that business, so they understood. And so when Jesus starts talking about seeds and soil and plants and harvesting and all that stuff, they go, yeah, that's right. I understand that because we see this every day. Maybe I do this for a living. But the goal they always knew for a farmer was is to produce a productive crop. When you plant those seeds, you want a lot of it to come up. You want it to produce a lot of whatever you're growing. And in order to do so, you had to sow a lot of seed, didn't you, on a large plot of land. Now, some of that land may be clearly plowed out and ready for seeds, but the surrounding areas may have had paths so you can walk to and check on the plants and maybe cultivate them later. But there's also some rocky areas probably around or a a group of an area that has a lot of weeds. And so many of us who've made a... uh, a garden in our yards, we've cut out a certain section, right? And that section is where we're going to have our garden. And those outside that section, they might have some stuff, but we don't care about that. We're just going to make that one little plot. That's going to be our garden. So we till that up, and we get all of that prepared and ready. Now, there may be some rocky sections outside of our garden. There may be some weedy sections outside, but we're not worried about that because I've got my little section where I'm going to grow these seeds. Now, we also know that... um, uh, this farmer probably uh, put those seeds out by hands, okay? So he probably had like a bag. He'd probably done this before, and you just kind of throw it out, broadcast it, right? And they didn't have those Scott's Easy Green spreaders. You know what I'm saying? Y'all got one of those? I got the one that has a little block thing on it, so it blocks the stuff from throwing it out where you don't want it to go and get it all over your driveway and those kind of things. But he didn't have it, so he's just throwing it. And he wants to get every part of that soil with the seed, so it will produce for him. Now, he knows some of it's going to be cast into those weedy areas. He knows some of it's going to be cast in those rocky areas, but that's okay because in order to cover the whole ground, it's worth losing a few seeds in the long run because the ones that are in the good soil, we know they're going to grow and they're going to produce. So as people hear this story that day, if they're a farmer, if they've watched this, whether they were young or old, male or female, whoever they were, they're going, yeah, this is the great teacher, Jesus, and he's teaching about farming? I don't, what? Yeah, that's right. You throw some seed and it goes on the path, and yeah, birds come in and eat it. Yeah, you throw some and it gets on the rocky ground, and yeah, it comes up and then it dies. And then, and then some, you know, goes in the weedy areas and it gets choked out. And yeah, the rest of it that's in the good soil, yeah, it grows. So what is earth shattering about that, Jesus? And so I wonder, and I know that wasn't the only thing Jesus taught that day, but as people left... Maybe Jesus says, all right, that's all for today, folks. 
and he starts going out with his disciples, and they're walking home, and they're talking about this parable. What did he mean by that? That seemed kind of like just a basic story. What does that mean? But some people, it already is showing what's in their heart. They just dismissed it. Oh, that was stupid. Well, I'm not going back to hear him again. But others go, no, wait a minute. Like we do when we go to lunch. Hopefully you talk about something at lunch. Maybe it was the sermon. Maybe it was something. Some of y'all today came up to me and goes, hey, I saw the chosen. It's awesome. And you're talking about those things. That's great. And so you go to lunch and you talk about things. But other people left that day going, what did he mean by that? I know he wasn't just talking about seeds. I know he wasn't just talking about soil. There was something else he was trying to get at. What was that? And people start thinking and talking about it. And I believe Jesus loved this. He wanted our hearts to change. What is God trying to teach me? And so they go away. But this was certainly something more about planting and seeds and harvest. And so the disciples get with him. Maybe they're in the boat, but later they're alone with him. And they go, what's the deal with the parables? Why do you teach people in parables? And Jesus responds by this. And a lot of times Jesus' answers didn't help, did they? They went going, what? And he's again pressing us, trying to get us to think outside of the box he told them the secret of the kingdom of god has been given to you but to those on the outside everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding otherwise they might turn and be forgiven so jesus is saying something about the disciples getting this secret of the kingdom of heaven because they're insiders they are following him, but others on the outside do not get the secret, so he's going to tell it in a different way. Now, I remember the first time hearing this, I kind of was bothered by this. I'm like, you ever had a um, a salesman try to do that bait and switch thing on you? Y'all know what I'm talking about? And you're like, wait a minute. Somebody was just talking to me this morning about that. And they went to, to get this car, and they marked the price up, and they're like, well, I can't believe they did that. So we hate when that happens. We don't like that. And it almost seems like Jesus going... So you're going to make it harder for the people that don't understand, but the insiders, you're going to make it easy? That doesn't sound inclusive. That doesn't sound like Jesus. But we know Jesus wasn't being exclusive. He was trying to make us understand, and he'll reveal later that being on the inside or the outside is a matter of really what's in our heart, isn't it? We choose to be on the inside or the outside, not Jesus. Jesus has made the way for all of us to be on the inside, but you have to accept it. Your heart condition has to be right in order to be on the inside, and only you can choose that. It's a choice we have to make. And he quotes from Isaiah, the sixth chapter, and maybe the disciples and maybe the people in the crowd that day uh, maybe have picked up, but Jesus is specifically here talking to the um, the disciples about why he's speaking in parables. So there were some others that said his disciples and some others are here. And they said, maybe they know Isaiah. And they go, well, that was a text from Isaiah where he is being told something by God that he's trying to pass on to the people of Judah hundreds of years ago. That if you don't turn your hearts around and go back to God, God's going to do something terrible and allow your enemies to come invade you. And ultimately take over Judah. And they didn't believe that for years. But we know in 586 BC the Babylonians came in and absolutely destroyed Judah. Just like God predicted because they wouldn't change the condition of their heart. So he's, he's saying just like it was back then. Jesus is saying I'm seeing the same things today in this culture. You may be ever seeing but never perceiving. Ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise you might turn and be forgiven. So this Isaiah text was a direct revelation from God, and now Jesus seems to be basically explaining that humans react the same way 
in cultures even as time goes on. Some will hear and respond by turning their hearts to God's, and others will reject what God says and turning their hearts to Him. Jesus can see they're still not satisfied with His answers. They're still a little clueless about this parable and what it actually means. And Jesus says, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? And it's like, man, he's really getting after them. Like, what's wrong with y'all? You know? And I think it's easy for us to go, oh, that they should have gotten that. That seems pretty obvious what he was doing. But you know what? That's easy for us to say after 2,000 plus years of commentaries and listen to people talk about this story over and over again. They didn't have any of that. They're hearing it for the very first time. And I know if I heard it from the very first time, I'd be going, what? I know he's trying to tell us something, but what does that mean? And I would want to know. So the disciples do. So then Jesus says, you don't have to guess anymore, I'm going to tell you. And this is one of the rare occasions in the Gospels where Jesus actually explains the parable. And so he says, the farmer sows the word. That's the first part as he's explaining. The farmer sows the word. And I want to stop for a minute. Let me remind us all of what is sown. He says it's the word. And interesting, in John's Gospel account of Jesus' life, he starts the Gospel of John like this. In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So the Word that's being thrown out is literally Jesus. Jesus was the Word who dwelt among us, right? He was with God in the beginning. He made, He put on flesh and made His dwelling among us. So it sounds like the Word is Jesus sown into the world. So I'm going to reread that text just for a minute, replacing the Word with Jesus. Listen, some people are like seed along the path. This is Jesus explaining where Jesus is sown. As soon as they hear Jesus, Satan comes and takes away the Jesus that was sown in them. Others like seeds sown on rocky places hear Jesus and at, and at once receive Jesus with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of Jesus, they quickly fall away. Still others like the seeds sown among thorns hear Jesus, but the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke Jesus, making him unfruitful. Others like seed sown on good soil hear Jesus, accept Jesus, and produce a crop some 30, some 60, some 100 times of what was sown. So do you kind of understand where Jesus is going? He's explaining this. He's telling us what it means. There seems to be four kinds of soil that a farmer can throw seeds into. And people are tracking with that. But he says it's not really about the soil. It's about the condition of your heart. And when you hear the message, the good news of the kingdom of God, which includes Jesus as Lord and Savior, a crucified Savior that's going to die on the cross, that's going to resurrect so that you can be in relationship with God again, that's something different. And your response to that and the condition of your heart is going to be different. Some people are going to reject that. I don't need a Savior. Why would we want him to go through something like that? And sometimes our, hard, our hearts can be hard. Because of something that's happened in our life and we want to reject that. And sometimes we want to accept it, 
But there's things in our life that crowd Jesus out, like he's talking about the weeds, or we're, we're shallow. We get excited about it, like the time at camp that, you know, they called for some kind of response, and I wasn't really paying attention. I was thinking about the girl next to me, and all of a sudden my friend went up, and I go, well, I guess I should go up and do that. You know what I'm saying? And we do it, but later we, don't, we didn't really have that commitment, so we kind of fell back. And so Jesus is saying almost universally, no matter what culture, what, no matter what time in history, this same kind of thing happens in people's hearts and how they respond to Jesus. And maybe your heart this morning is in one of those four conditions, and only you know that. But the good news is, is that we can change at any time, can't we? Our heart can change at any time, and sometimes that takes time. And it takes people investing in us and hearing God's word. But maybe you did receive Jesus at once. But those things Jesus talked about, again, prevented you from producing. The worries of lies, the deceitfulness of wealth. Maybe you say, yeah, I want to be a follower of Jesus, but I want to do all this other stuff. And you pursue all those things. And, and maybe you find out that those weren't exactly what they're cracked up to be. And some of us are struggling with some of those things right now. And maybe somewhere down the line you finally understood your identity in Christ, in the Word, and your heart condition changed. You heard Jesus, you accepted Jesus, and you begin to allow Jesus to make you into who He always created you to be. And when you did, you started producing a crop, a fruit in your life. It was produced. I read a survey the other day um, from 2021, and it was from Arizona Christian University and their Cultural Research Center. And when I tell you these stats, you're probably going to go, yeah, I've heard this before. But this is something that's been happening, and we've been concerned about it, especially those of us who are in the church and, and think about the uh, progress of Christianity in the world and, and how is it affecting not only my generation, but those under me and those under my kids. How is this going to continue to go out. And this research says that 83% of those in the silent generation, which were born from 1927 to 1945, 83% of them profess faith or belief in God. And then you had the baby boomers after them from 1946 to 1964, and 80, 79 to 80% of them say they believe in God. And then you had the generation Xers, which were born from 65 to 83, and then it dropped down to 70% who identified as Christian or believing in God. And then you get to 1984 and between 2002, and then there's the millennials. And 43% of them says they don't know or care or even believe that God exists. And that's disturbing, isn't it, for some of us? Wow, what happened? Why is it that that generation, I know there's another generation out of that, if some of you go, didn't talk, speak about my generation, but we're hearing the generation after this, it's the same way. They call them the nuns. They have no, they don't, I have no affiliation with religion or God. And that disturbs us as parents, as grandparents, when we say, what is it about Jesus that people aren't grasping hold of? And it keeps going down like that. Why do hearts seem to be so hard toward receiving Jesus? Is it just human nature? Is that where our world is going? Or maybe we haven't been producing a crop that God created us to produce. Maybe our hearts have not reflected the heart of God. And so when people hear Christian, when they hear Jesus, they go, well, I like Jesus, but I'll tell you who I don't like. I don't like Christians. And we bear the brunt of some of that, y'all. Listen to what C.S. Lewis said many years ago. He says, if conversion to Christianity makes no improvement 
in a man's outward actions. If he continues to be just as snobbish or spiteful or envious or ambitious as he was before, then I think we must suspect that his conversion was largely imaginary. And after one's original conversion, every time one thinks one has made an advance, that is the test to apply. Fine feelings, new insights, greater interest in religion mean nothing unless they make our actual behavior better. Just as in an illness, feeling better is not much good if the thermometer shows that your temperature is still going up. In that sense, the outer world is quite right to judge Christianity by its results. Christ told us to judge by results. A tree is known by its fruit. As we say, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. When we Christians behave badly or fail to behave well, we are making Christianity unbelievable to the outside world. The wartime posters told us that careless talk costs lives. It is equally true that careless lives cost talk. Our careless lives set the outer world talking, and we give them grounds for talking in a way that throws doubt on the truth of Christianity itself. Now, obviously, he threw in something about the war during World War I or two, probably two when he was talking about that. But he was actually in World War I himself. But man, is that not convicting? It's convicting. One day I will. One day I will have the right heart condition. One day I will get my heart right with God. One day I will really be a true follower of Jesus. But that has to start with day one, doesn't it? It has to start with day one. And Jesus wants you to know the secret of the kingdom of God. It's not really exclusive. You have the key to unlocking your heart. And receiving that and accepting the word Jesus as Lord and Savior to transform your life. It's not a quick or temporary fix for something that's in our life. And then after that's all better now, then we're just going to walk away and go, hey, thanks, Jesus. It's not something that we just kind of cling to because all my friends are doing it or that's the cool church to go to or whatever it is. And then when something better comes along or a newer, cooler church down the road, then I'm going to leave and go to that. That's not what he's talking about. It's making Jesus the Lord of your life and allowing him to reflect in your heart by the way you live every day. And y'all, I know that's hard. It's very hard. But Jesus promises that he'll be with us if we truly will give our hearts to him. And maybe there's somebody here today that's ready to do that and needs to do that. So if you're here today and you need to make a decision to name Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we're going to offer that opportunity to you. And uh, as we're thinking about that, some of you may already be followers of Jesus and you're kind of thinking about what C.S. Lewis said, thinking about what Jesus said in that parable and you want the condition of your heart to be a, one that's going to produce not only for you in your life but for the rest of the world to see a reflection of who God is. And so we're going to take... Um, as you know, each Sunday we take a time to remember Jesus and his sacrifice and Holy Communion as the Lord's Supper. And if you're here today and it's your first time, if you're a believer, we invite you to be a part of that with us. You don't have to be a member of our church. But we're going to do that in just a bit. But we're also going to sing a song. The team's going to lead us here. And if you have a decision to make as Jesus as your Lord and Savior or to join our church family, we invite you to come during this time of reflection. So I'm going to ask you all to stand at this time. They're going to lead us in a song. If you have a decision to make, I'll be right here and try to walk you through that.